Welcome to Renaissance Man. I'm your host, Jalen Rose. This week's theme, No Boundaries, Only Possibilities, featuring Amanda Seals. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Check me out every Thursday on Apple, on Spotify, anywhere you download podcasts. Make sure you click Renaissance Man. Make sure you give me a rating, five stars. Hit me up, leave a comment but definitely leave a five-star rating. Tell a friend to tell a friend the Renaissance man is here. This week's theme, no boundaries, only possibilities. Since March is Women's Month, I want to dedicate this episode to my late mother, Jeannie Cassandra Rose. Rest in peace, who we lost February 2nd, 2021, at 8.25 a.m. When I think no boundaries, only possibilities, I remind myself, because March is Women's Month, she was a single mother, and we never hired a babysitter. We never had a cleaning person. We never had somebody come cook for us. And she worked every single day at Chrysler as a key puncher. My mother graduated high school, ended up having four total kids, William and Kevin, my sister Tamara, and I'm the youngest, the baby of the bunch. On paper, that don't necessarily look like a recipe for family success. And regardless of what tough times we endured, I never saw my mother give up. She never complained. Not about our job, not about our finance, not about not having a man in the house not about the drugs and the violence in our community. All she did, like Biggie said, stay low, keep firing. That's what she did. And as a leader, I drew from that. And there were times when we didn't have heat. And I was like 13, we had the kerosene heaters. For me to make it to the NBA, and have the opportunity to buy her a house, go to any concert, OJ's, Temptations, Frankie Beverly, to be able to buy her a house, to be able to buy her a car, to be able to put zeros in her bank account. That meant everything to me. Rest in peace, Ma, because I know it meant everything to you as well. So now we have this thing in society called analytics. Advanced 
stats. And let me tell you, when my mother had two kids by 21 and had four kids with no man in the house, the odds of us escaping the ghetto, they weren't good. They were extremely low. Being a woman could have been considered a boundary. Being black is a boundary. Having four kids as a single mother, she overcame it. But you know what happened with our family? Only possibilities. Our next guest sees no boundaries, only possibilities. If she sees it, she can achieve it. Up next, Amanda Seals. My next guest is actually funnier than me, and you don't hear me say that often. Welcome to the program, Amanda Seals. <laughs> That's what's up. Appreciate you, Jaylen. That is an esteemed intro that I appreciate. Thank you. Thank you for the love. And as an industry veteran, which you are, and I say that with all due respect, your role on Tiffany and Insecure has really raised your already high profile. And congratulations because you're crushing it. Thank you. What's it been like playing this role? And have you learned anything personally from this character? It's been dope playing Tiffany because I hadn't done... Like, I was actually a theater kid, and I was, like, trained in the theater and acting, and I was, like, a child actor on Nickelodeon, and I hadn't been back in a scripted role. You know, I'd been doing a lot of hosting and stand-up and that type of performing, but I hadn't been in a character role in a really long time when I booked Tiffany. And so it was incredible, one, to have, like, my first roll back into this game, be on a show that ended up becoming like an instant classic. But also, you know, I think it's been fun seeing her evolve. Like, you know, I don't have any kids, but I was pregnant for damn near two years on this show. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so like I have, I mean, I have maternity <laughs> pictures. Like I have, you know, I have a whole like experience of that. Like that looks like I really went through the whole nine months, but uh, then I had postpartum. I mean, so I've, I've gotten to experience this very intimate part of being a woman, like through the eyes of this character in a way that I haven't in my own life. And so that has been a learning experience, you know, like even when we're filming, you know, I'm filming with the baby, you know, like I don't really have babies around like that. So, you know, I'm like, I gotta be very focused. I can't <laughs> drop this baby. Like I cannot drop this baby. Um, and you know, the baby's mom is literally like right behind the camera looking at you, like don't drop my baby now. What I also appreciated about playing this character was that in the beginning, she was really seen as, and I think some people may feel this way about her still, but she was seen as kind of like high sedity and messy. But really it turned out that she's not. So it wasn't that she was really high sedity. It was just that she was the only one there who had like, you know, a real like full life that wasn't in pieces all over the place. And she was going to call them out. And I am that friend. So I did learn that. I learned that I am actually Tiffany in my friendships. <laughs> You are, and that's been your personality for public consumption, and I appreciate that. And you alluded to this, because looking at your resume, quiet as it's kept, you're really selective at what you do, but everything you do ends up becoming gold. Seems like everything you touch. So what was the most challenging moment of your career 
And how did you overcome it? The most challenging moment of my career and how did I overcome it? I think for a lot of folks, the answer would be like, you know, the the time when people kind of didn't know about what you really did. And so you were truly really moving, trying to get people to understand. And I think that would have been my answer two years ago. But really, at this point, the most challenging part was was when I made it and realized I did not like it. And I think it's it's different for every person. But ultimately, when you get fame by way of just simply doing what you have set your mind to do, and it's a byproduct versus like the Kardashians and people who do things for the purpose of fame, right? Like I never became an actress and a performer to gain celebrity. I was an actress and performer for the artistry of it, for the creativity of it. I'm sure like for you as an athlete, like you didn't start playing basketball because you were like, I want to become, you know, the Jalen Rose. It's like, it starts out as, something that you enjoy and then it's something that people recognize is that you're good at and then you know they support it and you start enhancing your skills and then it becomes a career and next thing you know you're on this other level and when I got to that other level I just didn't foresee how dark it becomes and just kind of like how much ne- I just didn't realize how many negative things were going to get drawn to me when I made it and that I would have to like bat away and some of those things I didn't bat away some of those things got internalized And, you know, I had to really like fight through that to find my love for this work again. And it's only recent. It's like very, 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 very recent that I have a renewed ambition and love for being in this space. As you're alluding to, and that's the name of this program, you're a Renaissance woman. The theme of this episode is no boundaries, only possibilities. Because your creative genius, and you just alluded to it, is so vast. And sometimes it may just go over people's head. So you're an actress, an author, musician, comedian, podcaster, and activist. I even heard you were a gymnast growing up. And a painter. Wow, a painter? Wow, you take so much patience and discipline to do that. (laughs) But you have so much range. But there's a common thread in all of these talents. What is it that has allowed you to be successful? I think, honestly, it's that none of those things were pursued for the sake of commerce. All of the work that I've done that eventually became you know, professional in some form or fashion never was started for the purpose of a come up. It was always started for the purpose of expression and authenticity. And much in part for particularly for expression of ideas and love and empowerment for the black community. So, you know, there, I think what made it successful is that it's all authentic. Like, and it all comes from a genuine place of light. And it's not to say that you can't get some good stuff from the dark place too. Cause like a lot of comedians, like their humor comes from their darkness. You know, in my case, that's not the case. Like I know a lot of people, like they get strength from their struggle. That's how they end up. That's when they, you know, create the best stuff. And for me, it's the opposite. Like, I feel like I create the best stuff when I'm in a good place. And so I think a lot of the stuff, the spaces that you named have all come from like more of an adventurous spirit versus a struggle. And for me, that has always been what has drawn me into these spaces in a positive way that had positive outcomes. And every time I don't do that, 
every time I go into a space for a different reason, it either crashes and burns or I burned out, but it, it every time <laughs> without fail. And also congratulations are in order because you're an entrepreneur as well. You started the Smart, Funny, and Black Podcast Network. Tell us about the shows on that network and why it was important for you to start it. So Smart Funny Bad Podcast Network has actually been not as smooth as I wanted it to be. And I want to be honest about this because I think that all we ever see is people's highlight reels. And mm-hmm. oftentimes as an entrepreneur and an innovator, you're going to have to pivot. And that can be really frustrating and it can be really disheartening. And so you kind of like got to find a wellspring to draw from to keep going And to kind of give you some insight of like, if this is really worth it. And Smart, Funny, and Black Podcast Network is a division of Smart, Funny, and Black Productions, which came from my show, Smart, Funny, and Black. And that started as like a show in the back of a comic book store in LA and then has ballooned into a tour, you know, that we, a sold out tour that we took all over the nation. We've sold out the Kennedy Center. And now because of COVID, we started doing virtual shows. So that's where Smart, Funny, and Black is stemmed from. The podcast network originally came to my mind frame in 2019, and we were trying to just figure out how it was going to function and who to partner with and, you know, how, and I got to be honest, I have a podcast, Small Doses, that we've had for three and a half years, but I really didn't really know the podcast space like that. I had to start thinking of other ways to do this. And I want to say this because... It feels like when we have these ideas, like there's only one way it can get done. And oftentimes, like we think of like the furthest way, like it's going to be big. It's going to be major. I'm going to have seven podcasts and we're going to take over the podcast space. It's going to be fantastic, you know, and then like you may have to dial that back and it doesn't mean that it's a fail. It just means that you you may have to revision or reimagine your path. And so for what for us, I was able to reimagine how we were going to do this. And instead of having um, a hub in the beginning, it's it, we now are producing podcasts and partnering with spaces that have a bigger platform and spaces that have ad sales, et cetera, so that I can still get these voices out there. And so they can still have the Smart Funny Black Podcast Network as a hub and as a source point, but we are able to utilize the expertise of other folks who want to bring black voices to their platforms. So our first podcast is Adventures in Black Cinema, which we partnered with Starburns Industries, and they are now um, working with us to spread this voice. And we have other podcasts that we are in development with right now. So I just wanted to share that with you because I feel like we only hear about people's like, knock them out the box wins. Like, well, I started the podcast network and now it's just not always like that. (laughs) And so now you couple that with your talent, you're trying to be an entertainer and be a celebrity. You didn't get into it for the fame. So just acknowledge those hurdles that you still navigate and we all navigate while everybody only giving us the best side of the picture. Well, yeah, I mean, people only show you their highlight reel, not their behind the scenes, right? And so, and we live in such a media space now where we are 
consistently inundated with what everybody else is doing that like it becomes an affirmation that you have to tell yourself, I'm only seeing the highlight reel, not the behind the scenes. And it's not that you're trying to wish bad on people. Mm-hmm. That's not That's it. Correct. It's just that you're trying to keep yourself grounded in the reality of the human experience. But if you're only seeing people's successes, it can inadvertently make you think, that you're a failure if you're not existing only in successes. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, I've had to really, I had to rebuild my confidence. Uh, I had to rebuild my confidence because, yes. because uh, I had two situations happen in 2019 that I was moving from a place of love and compassion and thoughtfulness. And they were turned around on me in such an extreme, hateful and negative way that I was completely blindsided. And it made me question who I am. It made me question who my mother raised. It made me question, you know, just my, my ideology of how I exist. And eventually it made me question if I wanted to stay here on this earth. Mm. And I never got to a point, and I t- I've talked about this before, but I've, I never got to a point where I attempted suicide, but it really made me start thinking about like, well, if I'm this kind of person and there's things about me that I can't change and I keep having scenarios happen over and over again that make me unhappy mm-hmm. and that other people don't like me for, then what are we even really doing? In, you know, in depression, things that would normally f- seem irrational, that you would just like bat away, in depression, they make perfect logical sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the very scary part of depression. And that's why having a support system of people around you. And that's why going to therapy and having tools becomes very important because you need to be able to get back to that logic space. And so those are the types of things that I was dealing with that I have now exercised a number of tools and continue to practice a number of tools to not get that far down that road again, but it still is a constant work in having to reaffirm for yourself who you are and what you're about and your purpose in the face of people who are constantly trying to tell you otherwise, even though they don't know you. And thank you for this therapy, because that's what we're actually given when we're talking about what our life experiences have been in podcasts, whether you're standing on the stage doing comedy and you're recalling some things in your life that happened, but you're making them funny. I assume being an author, writing your book, Small Doses, represented a form of that. So tell me about the book. I mean, Small Doses, which comes out on paperback, April 13th, Potent Truths for Everyday Use, really is kind of like a, it's like a treasure chest of all of my thoughts about different spaces of life, racism, uh, womanhood, relationships, career, uh, just living in a world with people in general, all of those things. And it really is just kind of like a treasure chest of all of those thoughts and ideologies and processes in put together through humor in one space. And for some people, they told me that it's like a resource book. Like they kind of just go back to it to kind of get a a thought process going. And it's not meant to be an instruction manual as much as it's just to be kind of, it's just meant to be a a source point for, for thinking about things further than just the moment. It really is just me cutting to the chase about 
the common things that a lot of us are dealing with and providing for providing folks with uh, insight and common sense where a lot of that, t- where, where that's often lacking and that they can use for themselves or they can disagree with as well. But it, it is therapy to express and get things out. And, you know, for some people who are not performers, journaling still does that, you know, like going to therapy and talking still does that. Boxing still does that. These are all ways in which you are releasing. And we are just as Americans, not really taught to do that. I, I don't know that anyone is actually, but I know within this culture, we're not really taught how powerful releasing can be. We're taught to really suppress and make everybody like you. Absolutely. Well said. And final question before I get into my gone in 60 seconds. And again, I really appreciate you taking the time. It's an honor to have you on. But there's going to be an episode in March that airs and it's titled Women's History Month. What woman, dead or alive, inspired you to be your best and why? My mom. My mom. I'm not going to say that I wasn't blessed with so many, I mean, just innumerable images of women, particularly Black women throughout my life, because I have been, you know, from whether we're talking Harriet Tubman to the late Cicely Tyson to Serena to Sade to Whitney. I mean, like the list goes on and on. And, you know, Angela Davis, I've had incredible educators. So I have been very, very blessed. I consider my highest form of privilege to be how many educators I came across that gave a damn about me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like that that really has been the like a huge part of how I got to where I am. But my mom was just a consummate work. She had consummate work ethic and instilled that in me. And she also was a consummate fighter for just like justice in every situation, mm-hmm. right? So whether it's justice in, you know, the ending of apartheid in South Africa or justice in like, I just saw you cut in front of that woman in line and that is not okay. You know, so it's like I was always just being a witness to my mother who made it very clear that one, your reputation speaks before you. So you need to protect it Mm -hmm. Two, that, you know, if you see something, say something. Uh, you cannot be complicit to injustice. Mm -hmm. And three, that your work speaks for you louder than you. And so at one point in time, my name was Amanda Diva. And when I decided to change it back to my regular name, people were like, I mean, how can you change your name? That's your brand. And I was like, nah, my brand is my work. Mm -hmm. If that's that. So, you know, I thank my mom for instilling those values in me because even when you're watching folks and you're influenced by them, it's still kind of like who's closest to you that ends up affecting you most. All right. Well, here we go. Before I let you get out of here, I do this segment again, as I mentioned, called Gone in 60 Seconds. They're rapid fire questions. Are you ready to be on the hot seat? I'm ready. All right, let's get it. I know you like to DJ. What's your go-to song to get the party started? Uh, So So Death Base All Stars, my boo. Mmm, sports question. You were born in LA, but raised in Orlando. Which Shaquille O'Neal is your favorite? Shaq with the Lakers or Shaq with the Magic? The Shaq who slid in my DMs one time and then he raced the messages. <laughs> Come on, Big Diesel. I saw you trying to slide in uh, Meg the Stallion's comments. I love you, big fella. You're a renaissance woman, as I mentioned. What is something you like to accomplish that you haven't already done? I would like to do a... I would like to write a book of short stories of Black love. That's dope. You're making waves in podcasts. What's your favorite podcast? My favorite podcast is Jessica Lanyedo, Ghost of a Podcast, where she combines astrology and advice. And last but not least, we now have the first 
black female vice president, what's the next position or achievement you would like to see a woman step into? I would like to see several black women senators. We need that. We learned that for sure through this last election cycle. <laughs> yes. I appreciate the love. Thank you very much for being you. Amanda Seals. Last, Last call. call. This week's last call is about the importance of having vision for your life. Vision is a practical guide for creating plans, setting goals, and objectives, making decisions, and coordinating and evaluating the work or any project, large or small. Take our guest, Amanda Seals, for example. She's a very hard worker indeed, but her vision in life has allowed her to excel in various arenas. A vision helps keep you focused and together, especially with complex projects and in stressful times, especially like these. And in order to create your future, you have to work to resolve old wounds. Next, Explore your passion and talents. Envision what you want your life to look like. And when you do, don't limit yourself. Like the late great Helen Keller once said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight, but no vision. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.